Chapter 14 of The Red Cross Girls with the Stars and Stripes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Robin. The Red Cross Girls with the Stars and Stripes by Margaret Vandercook. Chapter 14 Greater Love. Of course, there was but one decision possible, and Nona volunteered to bring Eugenia to Madame Bonnet's. She was not to give a reason for her coming except to say that Madame Bonnet wished to speak to Madame Castaigne on a matter of great importance. Yet even this responsibility Barbara refused to share with Nona. For although finally agreeing that Eugenia must be told, she vanished at once after reaching the hospital and went on duty without seeing her friend, for fear there might be something in her expression that would arouse suspicion. Naturally, Nona felt the same fear, However, she could not escape the situation, and Eugenia must have friends who cared for her with her at so crucial an hour. Nona could scarcely conceive of Eugenia's failing one of them at a time of like need. She managed to have a moment with Mildred Thornton and to confide their impression to her, but Nona did not feel that there could be any possibility of a mistake. Another point had been that Duke had refused to return to the hospital with them, that so far neither physical force nor persuasion had induced him to leave the French soldier's side. There could be no one save Captain Castaigne to whom he would show this allegiance. It chanced that Eugenia was extremely busy when Nona found her to deliver Madame Bonnet's message. A number of American soldiers who had been fighting as volunteers with the French army, having been wounded at the front, had just been sent on to Eugenia's hospital for special care. I'm sorry, I shall not be able to see Madame Bonnet until tomorrow. Someone will please deliver my message to her. Not you, Nona, dear. You already look tired. And Eugenia had actually started to move away to her work as if the conversation were closed. But to Nona, any postponement appeared impossible. Eugenia herself would never forgive them should anything now interfere with her meeting with her husband, however tragically he may have changed. But, dear, it is something really important Madame Bonnet wishes to tell you. I don't think you should wait until tomorrow. Please come with me at once. Then Eugenia had turned around and looked at Nona searchingly. Very well, Nona, as soon as you have had lunch. You feel you wish to go with me to Madame Bonnet's? You would rather I did not go alone? And Nona nodded, not trusting herself to speak, and praying that Eugenia would ask no more questions. Nor did she even during their walk to Madame Bonnet's, which seemed to Nona Davis about five times longer than it had been when she had taken it alone on the morning of the same day. Eugenia talked of matters connected with the hospital. Once she said that she had hoped Barbara would now be content to devote more energy to a Red Cross nursing. They would be a good deal busier at the hospital in the future, and she had merely allowed Barbara greater freedom in her hours of work expecting that she would be more content to adjust herself to the regular hospital routine later on. Marriage does not seem to have made Bab settle down. It appears rather to have had the opposite effect, Eugenia had commented. She had smiled at the moment, but Nona did not feel convinced afterwards that Eugenia had not been more conscious of Barbara's attitude than she had believed. Then, just before they entered the garden at Madame Bonnet's, Eugenia stopped a moment. Nona, has Madame Bonnet's wished to see me anything to do with news of my husband? Eugenia asked the question quietly, yet she must have thought it in her mind all the while. Her face was a little white, but except for this, her self-control was wonderful. 
Yes, Nona answered, not appreciating that her own expression made it impossible for Madame Castaigne to think the information she so desired could be of a happy kind. For Nona's one predominating fear was that Jeanie would be outdoors with her soldier, and that Eugenia should first see her husband being led about by this little French friend. Yet would she recognize him as such a situation? Nona could not feel sure. However, Madame Bonnet was watching for their approach, and came out at once and put her arm through Eugenia's. We have news of your husband, Captain Castaigne. No, it is not good news, my dear, although he is not dead, nor is he a prisoner, she said without waiting, knowing how hard delay would be for Eugenia. Besides, she must take up her burden. You would rather not be with us, Nona. Then you stay here in the garden while I talk to Madame Castaigne alone. Nona had a sensation of utter gratitude when she saw Eugenia and Madame Bonnet enter the tiny little French house together. There had been that in Madame Bonnet's face and manner which made Nona feel no one else could be so wise or so kind. Besides, Eugenia would be braver than most people. She had not been so young as the rest of the group of American Red Cross girls at the beginning of the war, and certainly her experiences since that had left their impression. Nona found a little bench in the garden at some distance from Madame Bonnet's house and sat down. She had not fully realized how her knees were trembling and how utterly cowardly she felt, so much so that she wished, even now, to be as far away as possible, so as not by any chance to see Eugenia's meeting with her husband or hear any sound that she might make. She had been sitting there alone for several moments when the little French girl Jeanie came slowly down the path towards her. For the first time Jeanie was without her captain, and for the first time she appeared unhappy. Indeed, she looked as if she were fighting back tears. She wished to see him alone and without me, Jeanie explained, taking the seat next to her, which Nona indicated. I think it would have been wiser had I stayed with him. Madame Bonnet came out to tell me that she did not know her when they first met. She thinks he may know her later. Madame Bonnet left them alone also. But I hope she will not ask him any questions. It makes him so tired when people ask questions. Nona noticed that Jeanie carefully avoided using Eugenia's name or even Captain Castaigne's. But it was simple enough to understand Jeanie's emotions. They were not so unlike many older persons. She had found her captain's friends. More than that, she had discovered the one human being who cared for him most, and this is what they had set out upon their pilgrimage to seek. But now her captain had no longer the same need for her, and Jeanie had no one else. Understanding her mood, Nona slipped her arm across the little girl's shoulders, but very gently and hesitatingly, for Jeanie might not care for her caress. She had a curious pride and dignity, this little French genie, which no one could fail to respect. But genie, Madame Castanine and Captain Castanine's old mother indeed, all of his friends must always be grateful to you. You see, without you, they might never have known what had become of him, and he could never have had the same care. Now he may grow so much better that he will some day be able to thank you himself. Nona did not really believe this last part of her speech, but Jeanie looked a little happier. He is better now, she returned, and I could have cared for him. He understands almost everything I say, and you see, he must have recognized Duke, since he has wished to have him beside him ever since their meeting this morning. Jeanie spoke as proudly as a mother would speak of a child, 
but her words and manner made Nona almost ill, remembering Captain Castanine as she had known him. She was grateful when a little later Eugenia sent word that she returned to the hospital and leave her for a time with Madame Bonnet. She was to ask Mildred Thornton to take charge of the hospital for the rest of the day. Eugenia would return toward evening. Since she occupied the same room with her, Nona dreaded the return. But it chanced that she did not know when Eugenia finally came back. It was ten o'clock when Nona, having completed her hospital work, was free to go to bed. Then she found Eugenia in their bedroom, already undressed. I was tired, Nona. I hope things at the hospital have gone all right without me. But then I know they have. Mildred is more capable than I am. Then, when Nona came and put her arms around her friend, Eugenia said, You must not be sorry for me, dear. After a time, I shall be happier to have Henry like this than never to have known what became of him. But for his own sake, that is what is hardest to bear. He would so much rather have gone out altogether. But don't you think he will grow better in time? Nona asked, wondering again at Eugenia's strength. I don't know. I'm going to hope for it and fight for it with all my strength and with all the skill we can find in the world. I shall not give up my work if it is possible to keep on. But my husband must be first. He will come here to the hospital. Madame Bonnet and I think that is best just now. We can care for him here, and the great thing will be first to make him physically strong. He did not seem to wish to come tonight, but tomorrow everything will be arranged. And Jeanie, Nona inquired almost involuntarily, what is to become of her? But she might have known. Jeanie? Why, she will come here too to be with us. At least I think she will. And I shall do my best. Of course she does not like me now. She feels that I must inevitably separate her from her captain. But I think I will be able to persuade her that her captain still needs her. He turned to her with such relief from me when she came back to us. Oh, yes, it is pretty hideous, Nona. But after a while... And Nona was glad to see Jean's courage fell for a little time. Then she added, Do you mind my talking? Somehow it is a relief to talk. You see, after three years of war nursing, I have not many illusions left. And if ever this war is over, we women must not allow another war in this world. It is our responsibility, our sin, I sometimes feel. We have accepted this world as men have made it, and we have not tried to mold it near to our ideals. But there, and Eugenia smiled, what a time for me to be talking suffrage, and how all this modern woman attitude hurts Henry's preconceived ideas. I am still filled with wonder at his ever having cared for me. It helps to know that Jeanie declares Henry is already better in the months she has been his friend. It is odd, isn't it, that our names should sound somewhat alike? Yet somehow I keep thinking of the great genie whom Madame Renee impersonated the other night. For it was almost an impersonation we saw the Jeanne d'Arc so plainly. Well, a little Saint Jeanie has appeared to me. But good night, Nona. We must both go to sleep. And Nona did go to sleep immediately, and so could not know when Eugenia was able to follow her example. End of chapter 14